Hello and welcome to the National Park Nerd Podcast, episode one. I'm your host, Lucas Bremer, and today we're going to talk about several news stories that are affecting your nation's national parks and the benefits of traveling to our nation's best idea. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. National Park Nerd Podcast, the first ever edition of the National Park Nerd Podcast is today, February 21st, 2019. Welcome. How's everyone doing? I just wanted to start this because I really, really have a passion for our nation's national parks. And I feel like our news today is so bogged down with negative energy and negative news stories that I really wanted to bring some positive things into your life and your day the way the national parks have brought them into mind. And when I first got started with this, I started with the normal social media sites such as Facebook, Instagram. I started blogging on some partners, uh, Landlocked Lovebirds and some other spots like the outdoorproject.com. And I just thought that there could be an added benefit to folks if they know what's going on on a pretty routine basis of our nation's national parks. So today we're going to talk about a few stories and then maybe a, a special place in my heart, one of the national parks. Uh, now that we have 61 national parks in the United States, uh, I thought it was important to touch on that today and exciting news that we have added a national park to our systems. Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore has officially become a national park. That's right. On Friday, February 15th of 2019, President Donald Trump signed off on the name change as part of a broader bill from Congress that provides the president with his $1.4 billion to construct the wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, this was put into a larger bill, but the name change went into effect immediately. And though the park's updated status had already gone into effect, there aren't many changes expected at the newly named Indiana Dunes National Park. And of course, signs and literature at the park will be updated, but daily operations and the park funding are expected to remain the same. What government officials and park leaders are hoping to see as a result of the name change is a boost in that area's tourism. And if you don't know where this uh, National Lakeshore was, it's about a 45 minute drive east of Chicago on the Indiana, Illinois border on Lake Michigan. So one of the things over the last few years that the National Park Service has really wanted to do is to really get more culture involved in their park sites and also more of an urban uh, a feel to some of their newer parks. And this was a perfect example of mixing nature with uh, the human element and uh, protecting this land as a national lakeshore has been in place for a long time, but now adding that national park to this will ultimately bring more tourism to that area. At least that's the goal. It's also the state of Indiana's very first national park. So that's also a, a big deal and uh, is, is very exciting for our folks in Indiana. Um, in 1916, the National Park Service's first director, Stephen Mather, was the first to introduce an idea to turn that lakeshore into a national park. However, his plan was halted by the First World War and that's according to the South Bend Tribune. And since then, members of Congress and the National Park Service have, have continued to fight for the change, but they've constantly been stopped in the process. 
And recently, as early as last year in 2018, the Trump administration had refused to grant the national park status to this lakeshore. But in a time when the government shut down for over a month and the fact that all the national parks were getting uh, destroyed or trounced, especially in the warmer climates like Joshua Tree or in uh, Death Valley, there, this may be kind of an olive branch to both sides to say, look, we're still trying to take care of our national parks and this may be a way to uh, increase that uh, stability to those protected areas. And Indiana Dunes National Park is, is one of those places that spans 15,000 acres. It's ideal for bird watching and swimming and fishing and uh, enjoying those sand dunes. And you know, without this protection or without this added name change, I should say, you know, a lot of people, including myself, don't really have the uh, immediate urgency to get in the car and go. But now that it's a national park, it has a whole nother aura about it. And a lot of people design their vacations or their travel based around national park sites. So I really hope that this is a great thing for Indiana and Northern Indiana for sure. And uh, best of luck to them in the future. Park, that same bill, the major public lands bill that will add 1.3 million acres of new wilderness expands several national parks and it also creates four new national monuments. And the measure was the largest public lands bill considered by Congress in more than a decade. And it will combine more than 100 separate bill, bills that designate more than 350 miles of rivers as wild and scenic. It will add 2,600 miles of new federal trails and create nearly 700,000 acres of new recreation and conservation areas. This bill also withdraws 370,000 acres in Montana and Washington state from mineral development, which has been a very hot topic ever since the 2016 election. The Senate approved this bill 92 to 8 and we'll send it over to the House and we expect it to be uh, passed shortly. It's, it's, bipartisan. It's got several uh, major states and swing states on the political side that are going to need uh, some some goodwill uh, towards the future. And, you know, the bill creates these three new national monuments that are going to be administered by the National Park Service. And there's a fourth monument that will be overseen by the Forest Service. And those three Park Service monuments are the Medgar and Murley Evers Home National Monument in Mississippi and the Mill Springs and Camp Nelson National Monuments, too, in my home state of Kentucky. The Eversight was the home of the slain civil rights leader, while Mill Springs commemorates a Civil War battlefield. Camp Nelson was used as a Union Army hospital and recruiting center during the Civil War. And President Donald Trump proclaimed Camp Nelson a national monument last year, but the bill gives it a permanent congressionally approved protection so it won't go anywhere as easily as maybe something like Bears Ears or Grand Escalante. The bill also designates the former San Francis Dam site in California as a national memorial and monument. The dam outside Los Angeles collapsed in 1928. It killed 431 people and is one of the largest tragedies in California history. And this monument will serve as a reminder of the consequences of a failure of infrastructure it offers a lesson going forward, was the quote from Senator Kamala Harris, uh, Democrat from California.
was talking about uh, during Black History Month, how important it is to also show that the growth of the national park system has had in uh, sharing in civil rights areas or uh, former underground railroad areas or slave areas or uh, African-Americans that fought for the Union in the Civil War. But this latest article is stating that Martin Luther King Jr.'s last home he ever lived in was just sold to the National Park Foundation in Atlanta. And at the time of his assassination in 1968, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was living in a brick home on Sunset Avenue an Atlanta neighborhood known as Vine City. The civil rights leader had moved there in 1965, the year after he was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize. And the house was a refuge for him, his daughter, Bernice King, and the rest of the family. It was a place where the entire family would gather around the dining room table to eat and talk, where family portraits hung on the wall, and where Dr. King and his children used to play games and watch television. But this month, in 2019, the house became the property of the National Park Service and is in preparation right now for opening it up to the public. And with greater access to Dr. King's life and legacy, we can learn more about this country's past and how his work continues to echo through time. That was a quote from William Shafrath, the president of the National Park Foundation. And the National Park Foundation is the National Park Service's charity arm that helps uh, benefit the National Park Service in times of need, like during the government shutdown of last year. He added that the foundation bought the property with help from private donors from the estate of Dr. King's widow, Coretta Scott King, for $400,000 and then transferred it to the Park Service. There will at least be a year of assessments, repairs, restorations, etc., before the house can be made accessible to the public. So, that being said, Atlanta, Georgia will be the site of a new either historical uh, park or some type of national memorial or uh, national monument of some kind for Dr. King. That's very important as we move forward, especially in these times where race tensions seem to be uh, escalating on a constant basis. And just it adds one more thing to the history of these leaders that can be passed down to our kids and their kids and their kids. So it's very important that we preserve these areas where these historical figures and powerful figures from the past lived and, and ate and talked and if those walls could talk it would be amazing so kudos to the kings and the national park service and the national park foundation for making this happen and i can't wait for the public to get access to this new site and uh, looking forward to seeing what it's going to be called podcast for the National Park Nerd. I just wanted to thank you, each and every one of you, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this, to show some appreciation for our national parks. Uh, I have a great passion for it. I love sharing it with you. I love sharing the news with you. And I love the fact that our national parks have grown so much in a short amount of time in 2019. You know, at the, at the conclusion of this episode, you know, reach out to me. Let me know what you'd like to hear, what you'd like to uh, see or, or listen to on our podcast or future vlogs or blogs that I write for landlockedlovebirds.com or outdoorproject.com. And just let me know what's going on and uh, introduce yourselves and let me know how I can help or what might make this podcast better. 
other than the audio quality, I do know the audio quality is a little suspect, but uh, hopefully in time that will change. But I just wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening and uh, God bless. Mm-hmm.